Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the AltMed podcast. My name is Andrew Dowling. My co-host Mitch Kurtz is with me as always. Um, we're going to be doing a, a bit of a different topic today to anything we've we've touched so far, and I I think it's fair to say Mitch and I are a little bit excited about it. Um, it it is our great pleasure um, to welcome to the podcast Troy Valencia who is uh, an iboga medicine provider from Awaken Your Soul. We're going to be learning all about ibogaine, iboga, and all related topics. So, Troy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate you guys having me, man. I um, I got to spend a bunch of time checking out uh, what you do, and I just want to thank you for that. It's uh, it's beautiful what you're bringing to the, the collective. Oh, much appreciated. We're, um, you know, just kind of on a mission to give people uh, different perspectives, information to allow them to, um, you know, to kind of explore whatever they think uh, might be able to help them. So yeah, we, um, we appreciate your very kind words. So I, I'm Mitch and I are in the same boat in that we both know very little about Ibogaine. In fact, I'm going to just put my baseline knowledge at, at zero. Um, <laughs> this should be a pretty good discussion. Um, but how, maybe talk to us a little bit about what you're currently doing and, and how you got into that space. Yeah. So um, my journey with plants started in 2018. Uh, I was working as a chemist and vibrational spectroscopist in San Diego, California. Um, amazing job, amazing career, just had it all on paper, but under the surface, I was, I was miserable. I grew up in the foster system. So for me, childhood was a traumatic time. Um, and so at the end of the day, um, through what I call an angel or a messenger, um, I found my way to ayahuasca, worked with her, um, and had my life completely changed. About six months after that, I received a message from a woman who I'd never spoken to. And she said, I had an experience with something called Iboga. And in my journey, I saw you. And so obviously, you know, you have to go. So she sent me to this place called Awaken Your Soul. Um, I came down here to Costa Rica and within an hour into my journey, I saw myself in Africa with the man who started the place, um, was getting crazy messages, visions, all the stuff that you would have believed. And next thing I know, um, I'm living down here working at the retreat. So I'm, um, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, uh, just straight off the bat, the, idea of you know because some of our audience will have had their own experiences with psychedelic medicine and um i know we're going to be sort of diving right into that that topic today but it's it's fascinating to me um hearing those kinds of i guess profound accounts of, of what what your experience was like because you sort of think to yourself is it really spiritual or is it unlocking something that was already there in my brain to begin with that i just hadn't accessed previously like what's really going on here um i don't know over the course of the discussion i'm just throwing a flag down there just as as an idea that we can maybe unpack over the course of the the conversation yeah. but talk to us about iboga because i i must admit i've i know nothing about this particular substance people i think are starting to learn about psilocybin and lsd here in australia when it's now being discussed in proposed medical use but what about Iboga and Ibogaine? Yeah, so I think it's most important to set the cultural roots down. So if you were to travel to Gabon, Africa, you would meet 
some indigenous folks called the Buiti. Now the Buiti are the bearers of this medicine. Um, to them, Iboga is not just a sacrament, it's a tool for ritual use, for rite of passage. Iboga is a connection into the ancestors, into the land of the dead. Um, and so recently I was initiated into a, um, a cult, you can call it, of the Buiti. Um, you can think of the Buiti as an umbrella term, and there's many traditions under that. There's the Fang, the Desumba, the Masoko. Um, you can kind of keep going on and on with that. But to all of them, Iboga is their, their um, it's the gift from the ancestors to us. It's, it's, uh, it's actually the definite, or the translation of Iboga is to take care of for them. Um, so Iboga is a root, Tabernathi Iboga is a root from a tree. Um, and inside of that tree, you find an alkaloid profile of about 14 to 20 alkaloids. The literature is still out there. Still research is still being done. And the primary alkaloid in this profile is Ibogaine, which um, is the one most people have heard of for its use in um, drug addiction treatments. So, yeah, take us through that drug addiction treatment. So how, how, does, um, how did it come to have that correlation? Yeah, so... There's a man named Claudio Naranjo. Naranjo, he was a Chilean psychiatrist. And he was one of the first to start using Ibogaine in his, in his treatment sessions um, and just found great uh, efficacy in it in terms of opening up the spiritual side or the um, intuit intuitive side of the clients and allowing for this deeper sense of wisdom to come out. Um, and so obviously from there, much research has been done um, there's a woman named Deborah Mar Mosh out of the University of Miami who has great um, data on this. But essentially, um, yeah, this Ibogaine has been discovered to be a cure for many of the addiction properties, addictions that um, the Western world um, falls subject to. Um, six of the 10 main addictive substances are actually solved or cured by Ibogaine. Um, it's very interesting how um, the medicine works. And it's not just things like alcohol, opiates, um, methamphetamines that it works against. It actually works with addictions such as addictions to eating, gambling, um, even addictions to suffering. One of the main things we see at a retreat here is people come and they're addicted to their story. They're addicted to their traumas, the patterns of their lives. And, and it actually works on a, a variety of levels. It's very, very interesting. It's like a stopgap between behaviors that you've kind of uh, set up over a period of time as a result of either, let's say, maybe, uh, you know, substance abuse or, or, or emotional abuse or, um, you know, a various, it sounds like it's kind of got that angle to it. Yes, absolutely. So there's with the um, Ibogaine, there is a few ways it, it works. Um, there is a neurochemical effect in the body. And it's not as simple as other medicines where perhaps you see some that have effect on one or two specific receptors. Um, with Ibogaine, it acts on many receptors. Um, and that's why it treats such a wide range of addictions. Um, you can call it a full spectrum medicine, actually, yeah. at sorts. So we, we kind of say that in cannabis a lot, right? You, you say like paper mm -hmm. sites oh, it helps me with this, it helps me with that, or it, it can help me. And you're like, wow, it seems like a wonder drug at some times. And then you realize, okay, it's not everything, but the reason it, it, it does have effects is because there's so many different receptors in the body where it, it activates. So it's kind of in, similar to that in its, in its uh, method of action. Mm -hmm. 
That's exactly right. So, and so uh, I, sorry, I just one thing because before we move off uh, Boise, I was looking it up while we were talking about it. So this is this practice, um, yeah, that 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 was started in Gabon, which is just a, amazing, um, you know, to to sort of think about the roots starting there. And it's kind of they talked about in this article I just skimmed um, that modern Boise involves the practice of you know, ancestral worship and also animism being the belief that objects, places, creatures all possess a distinct spiritual essence. Do you, in your own experiences with this particular substance, do you find that it really does plug you into, uh, I guess, connecting with the nature around you um, and even, you know, objects that you, that you come into contact with? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I just completed my initiation a few months ago in Gabon. And um, part of that process is ingesting a very large amount of Iboga. It's actually considered a toxic amount. And the reason they do this is they say they need to break the brain in order to allow you to commune with the dead or to work on the other side is another way to say it. And so um, definitely what you see there is that the plant is alive. The plant has a, an essence to it. Um, some people refer to it as grandmother Iboga, and some people feel a masculine presence. But to the Bwiti and the people there, everything is alive. Even the torch they use in the ceremonies, which is known as the first light of man to them. It's called the Mopeto. The Mopeto has a, a liveliness to it. The smoke from the fire, which you call Matutu, has a, a name, a presence, and you honor and you greet this, um, this figure as part of your day, daily practice, just as if you guys are in front of me now, the fire is just another person, another being. And so this animistic approach to their life is definitely entrenched and, and rooted in their traditions, yeah. And, and is that also kind of the idea of the, the ancestor worship or indeed taking a more broader view that anything which, you know, might in some cultures be deemed, well, that, that person is dead or that thing is dead. It's like, you know, the life continues, the life remains. Is that that sort of central to the philosophy of, of what this is all about? Yeah, man, it's, um, it's, it's actually very remarkable when you experience it for yourself. It's one thing for me to sit here and, and, and say yes, mm. but um, we have tons of guests who come here. Just last retreat, we had a gentleman whose son passed away. And um, working with Iboga, he was able to have a communion with the soul of his son and have an actual conversation. And when you see the person in this in this setting going through this psycho-spiritual experience, talking to the soul of someone in the past, and you hear the conversation going, you see that there's no fallacy to it, that it's very real. And the healing effects that come from the person afterwards, you see their face change, their vocabulary change, their posture, the disbelief they have, you know, to, to say something to have faith that there's another side is one thing, but to experience, experience transcends faith. And yeah, this is a medicine of experience. Wow. No, no doubt it's it's um, quite transformative and, and profound for a lot of people. Do you, do you find that there's ever also potential side effects or, or negative experiences that people have on occasion? Yeah, there's definitely risk factors associated with um, Iboga and Ibogaine. Mainly it's cardiac related. So people with pre-existing heart conditions are strongly advised to stay away. Yeah. Ibogaine, Ibogaine treatments will be done in a medical facility with 24-hour care. 
Um, for a site like ours, we are working with Iboga, the root, in much smaller doses. Um, and so ours is a psycho-spiritual approach. Yes, we have a doctor there full-time on site during mm -hmm. ceremonies, but the risk factors are completely different with ibogaine treatments because you're doing these large flood doses on, on patients. Right. So can you can you take us through that, the risk factors changing as opposed – so you're saying it's different with ibogaine as it is with Iboga, or maybe I've got that wrong. Yeah, it's just the, it's really more about the amount, right? And so when you are working in an Ibogaine clinic, a lot of times you're working with people who are detoxing. And so these people have tons of substances in their systems. Um, for us, for example, we don't take detoxes. Ours is for purely for psycho-spiritual journeying or experiences, or sometimes there's different types of healing, but there's a certain timeline we say of 90 days for detox. At Ibogaine clinics, they're taking someone who might've just shot up. And so in that category, in that facet, there's tons of risk factors associated with that, which is why you need the medical care, the medical treatment, the monitors. Right, right. And, and okay, that makes sense. And so that, that sounds pretty involved. Is it, so is it, mainly, uh, is it mainly addiction or are there other benefits or uh, purported you know, effects that, that people get from it? Yeah, I mean, Ibogaine, that extracted alkaloid is mainly used for addiction treatments. Um, although the psycho-spiritual aspect of it has other healing factors. Um, Iboga itself is not just for addiction. It's used as a rite of passage, for example, from, from being a child to a man, for example. And so um, it's really, I think Michael Pollan said it best in How to Change Your Mind when he talks about set and setting, right? It's about what environment you're coming into with the medicine. Yeah, very interesting. And it it's 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 essentially a, a plant it, what what's the form that you would have it is it a drink is it a powder is it a like how's it taken what does it look like yeah so in the ibogaine treatment they will um, extract obviously the ibogaine from the iboga profile and it will be ingest or in, injected in the iv form um, with us we actually take the straight shavings from the root itself so you're eating dried root bark itself you'll right. swallow it you can chew it um but you use mostly people just swallow it it's got a very bitter taste it's got an alkaloid profile um so they're just nitrogen containing compounds found in nature found in many psychoactive plants yeah gotcha okay and so so it's it's kind of almost like it feels like the type of thing people would use beyond just addiction but maybe like in in trauma scenarios or ptsd that kind of thing it, it, it's what it sounds a bit like Absolutely. PTSD is um, one of the number one reasons we have people showing up at our retreat. So just on that, I mean, because of the, I guess, more recent influx of, you know, medical literature, clinical trials that have been looking at the, tr you know, treating PTSD and major depressive disorders and, and other mental illnesses with psychedelic medicines, I I'm not saying they don't exist. I haven't yet seen a paper that relates to the use of, of Ibogaine, um, but I'm fascinated in it, especially given it's a you know naturally occurring compound um, as distinct from you know something synthetic made in a lab. I um, yeah, I just I want to know your thoughts on how Ibogaine is different to those other kinds of psychedelic medicines, if you have any light to shed on that in terms of, you know, experience and, and all of that. Yeah, there's a biochemical side to that answer. And then there's a spiritual side. Um, mm -hmm. There's a something called a, 
I can never pronounce this word right. It's a glial cell lined derived neurofactor. It's known as a GDNF. Okay. Um, and then these things are proteins that promote the survival of your neurons in your brain, many different types of neurons. And what's interesting about these GDNFs is in the first few years of your life, you'll find that um, you have the largest amount of GDNF inside of your system. And this is obviously very important because this is a phase in your life where you're learning the most. You might not think of it, but if you think about yourself as a child, you're learning the voice of your parents, you're learning what comforts you have, what discomforts, um, things that you think you're born with are all learned in these first few years of your life. And so what's so interesting is that after an Ibogaine treatment, after an Iboga treatment, the GDNF score is higher than it is in childhood. And this is if you go weight to weight, also factoring in weight. Um, and so why is that significant? Well, if you remember, I said these are proteins that promote the survival of different types of neurons. So your brain is actually making new synapses, new connections between the neurons. Um, it's repairing these connections as well. This is all literature you can find online. Um, something that I'm speaking about at the, the MAPS um, scientific or the, excuse me, the psychedelic conference this year is going to be about this specifically. Um, but if you think about it, what's really happening is your brain is becoming more optimal. Um, your understanding increases, your insights increases, your able, ability to handle emotions increases, your consciousness expands. So on a scientific level, there's data showing why PTSD and these other um, ailments or these other traumas can actually be, be touched on by Ibogaine and Iboga. Um, and then on the psycho-spiritual side, um, if you think about these traumas energetically as trauma trapped in the body, for let's say, let's say you have an experience as a child and you were abused in some sort. Um, that trauma is stored in the body. We, we all know this now. And so working with these medicines allows you to relive these moments, but from a third party perspective, from the observer state, which allows you to get a new perspective, a new paradigm on these, these situations that happen in your life. Um, and Iboga is specifically known for that specific um, faculty. It's known as the visionary root of African shamanism. And so when you take this medicine, you essentially become a shaman of your own. You're able to journey back through this time of childhood and relive these moments from the observer state. You're able to process the emotions with the conscious adult mind and then extract them from the body, which is known as purging. That's, I mean, so profound. And when you consider that you have, you know, basically a situation where, you know, psychedelic medicine just as a field is you know seeking permission from governments around the world to be taken seriously and when you describe it in the way that you just have which is just like the most beautiful summary where you're talking about actually meaningfully dealing with the root cause of, of someone's um you know distress trauma anything that affects their well-being it's just crazy to me. And yet we have obviously all of these um, conventional medications that just at a very surface level alter neurochemicals in the brain and mute symptoms. And, you know, it's, it's just an extraordinary situation that we're dealing with. Um, but unfortunately, and, and speaking from the Australian perspective, 
the last time that our medicines regulator, the TGA, um, looked into descheduling, um, you know, uh, psilocybin, um, you know, to basically be a drug that could be prescribed by a doctor, they decided against it. Um, and so interesting that, you, know, you bring that up, Andrew, because Ibogaine in Australia is Schedule 4 which is the same as CBD, which is very interesting because it enjoys, well, I don't know if enjoys the right word, but it has <laughs> illegal I think it enjoy, enjoys the right word. Uh, sorry. Where, well, it where, enjoys where, it in Australia, but it, in the US, for example, it's completely illegal and, and a lot of Western Europe. So it's it's interesting to see, you know, basically the rest of the world says CBD is okay and we have it scheduled. And then the rest of the world says, if again, is, you know, a narcotic and we say, yeah, it's still a narcotic, but it's the same as CBD. It's just a, it's a funny well, one. And it's in, and when we talk about that, so schedule four in Australia is prescription only medicines. It's that beginning of needing um, the class of, of medicines where you need a doctor to approve it. I mean, the doctor would need a clinical justification for prescribing that substance to treat that particular medical condition. But I think what you're saying, Mitch, is there is a door that might be ajar there that perhaps needs to be thrown open, but um, we'll leave well, that to the doctors. <laughs> yeah, theoretically, I mean, we could we could look into it, um, but but no, it's very it's very interesting. I'm curious, how long does a traditional session take in terms of the treatment? Oh yeah, that's um. <laughs> so how, how begins- long is a how long is a piece of string while you're at it, Troy? Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's so I'll, I'll tell you, um, the Iboga journey is about 24 hours. Oh, when wow. you sit with the medicine, yeah. So we will sit at the fire, we'll ingest the medicine around 9 p.m. Usually, the effects come on by 10 30, 11. Um, at that point, the guest would be laying down in a mattress, put a blindfold on. It's a very inward experience. Um, and then from then on, they'll be in the medicine definitely until about the next day in the afternoon. You won't sleep that night. It's a stimulant. Um, so yeah, you'll be up all night. The next day you'll be in a very, almost like a lucid type of state. You notice people kind of staring off into the space. The mind becomes very quiet. And a lot of the insights actually happen the next day. We call that here the discovery day at the retreat. It's a very profound day. We have a sacred silence pretty much till dinner. Um, and the majority of insights people get, unless something you know big came up in the ceremony, a lot of stuff comes in the in the discovery day time, it's, it's a very beautiful portion of the process. So mm-hmm. what then about the, I, I guess in those, in that first onset, you know, <clears throat> I, I'm sure, you know, given that it's all being conducted as a, as a medicine, you guys are very careful with, I'm sure, titrating and dosing and all of those sorts of things. But yeah, do you generally, what sort of symptoms are you looking out for to start to see that, okay, we're starting to see this substance acting on the, um, the patients. Yeah. So um, again, I begin clinics will do the titration through the IV for us. We're serving actual root bark. To the yeah, people. Okay. So during the ceremony, you will come up with a spoon of literally this very bitter tree bark and you'll take us a mouthful of it. Um, there's, there's a few symptoms. The main one is ataxia. The body, you start to lose balance a little bit. The central nervous system is affected. Mm-hmm. Um, but also when you when we lay people down, we come do several rounds throughout the night, throughout the journey. And um, 
the first thing someone will probably start to notice is um, this is a little bit crazy, but one of the big ones is your third eye starts to open up. And so what I mean by that is you'll see people laying on the mattress with the blindfold on and they'll be looking at their hands and they'll lift their eye mask up and they'll still be able to see. It's a very common um, factor. I mean, this is a visionary route here. So your third eye expansion is a big one. Um, that's something we always get a little bit of a grin at when we see people doing the hands thing, taking the mask off and they look over to us and call us over and they say, I can see through my mask. And we're like, yeah, yeah, we kind of explain it. <laughs> um, but really it's, it's, it's the walking, it's the physical imbalance is the main one we notice. Once we see that, the medicine, we can tell it's really starting to, um, it's really starting to kick in, I guess you could say. And I'm also interested just in, and I, I love that third eye analogy. It takes me back actually to, um, I think it was Bill Hicks who described the phenomenon of squeegeeing your third eye. Um, but uh, there you go. I thought you'd <laughs> say it takes you back to Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Sunday day, which could might might yet be my discovery day in um, weeks. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I, I want to talk about the, I guess whether or not, you know, there is a a widespread use of ibogaine recreationally because I think there's a tendency, and we're obviously um, on this podcast we look at alternative medicines, um, but sometimes I find that substances get pigeonholed. So we think about this is only for this type of experience, or this is only for that. I mean. Do you know of, or is Ibogaine something that you would um, say people could use recreationally pretty harmlessly, or is it prone to potential harm if um, if it's not really done in the, the med medicinal environment? Yeah, definitely. Um, that's something you're going to want to do with a professional, for yeah. sure. Um, I, I, microdosing Iboga itself, the, the powder, is, or the root bark, excuse me, is extremely beneficial. That's something someone could do, just like microdosing psilocybin or anything else. Um, but anytime you're kicking up the dosages, it's, it's very important that you have uh, trained professionals around you, especially in the case um, of Ibogaine. That's not something I would ever see anyone doing, maybe in a psychotherapeutic setting, just like um, MDMA-assisted therapy. There's a potential for um, Ibogaine-assisted therapy. That's actually what I'm studying right now. I just finished my master's portion. I have a master's in chemistry already, but I've just got a master's in psychology from the California Institute of Integral Studies. And I'm switching to California Southern University. I start there in July for my um, psychology degree, a PhD, and uh, so I could be a psychiatrist. And my plan is to actually do um, assisted therapy with Iboga. So it's definitely something that's on the table. I can't be the only one thinking about this. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a, an approach out there, but I would say if you're going to do anything, it would be a microdose with Iboga itself, not Ibogaine. It's interesting. I was just kind of having a look at like uh, some of the more flood dose amounts or the higher doses causing um, rapid eye movement, which we mostly associate with the deepest parts of um, Delta wave sleep. Sure. Would that, that suggests that they would almost have like dreamlike experiences during your wake in which sense you're kind of having you know hallucinogenic or, or altered state of consciousness kind of experiences is, is what is a traditional maybe there isn't a traditional but what is a typical type of experience that that one might have um 
on on you know a higher dose of of this substance yeah you know mitchell that's a that's a really good point to bring up so i wrote a paper um in school about the correlation between um, an iboga journey and your brainwave state and um, lucid rem sleep and they're actually very similar same with lsd it's actually very similar so i think maybe the best if i could share one specific story of a guest who came to us, it would, it would kind of explain to you, sure. um, maybe answer your question. Yeah. And I'll leave names out and all that stuff. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we, we had a guest come to the retreat who um, labeled himself as a sex and porn addict. Um, this gentleman had done a lot of work on himself, talk therapy, um, spiritual counseling, inner child stuff. He signed up for preparation work, everything you could imagine. Um, and so in our journey, we, um, you know, obviously take the flood dose, quote unquote, of Iboga, which for us, it's about, um, I mean, we, go, we actually go off the spoons. It's kind of funny. Um, and so we, we, it's about two or three spoons, the person's in a good space. Um, and so this man lays down and I'm guiding him. So one of the beautiful parts about an Iboga journey that's separate from any plant medicine is with trained providers, we do something called the psycho-spiritual journey. And so what that would entail is you're laying on the bed, I would be sitting next to you speaking in a very grounded, calm voice, and I would help guide you to find your breath. And then from there, we would use some of the techniques taught to us through our trainings. Um, one of those techniques is you can travel to the moon to visit the dead, or you can relive your childhood. So in this case, I took the, the gentleman back to his childhood. Um, and when he was five years old, his parents got into a big fight where his mother found the father's pornography collection. Big fight broke out in the house. The mother forced the dad to throw it all away. Um, the fight was violent. And so obviously this was a traumatic moment for this, this gentleman. So in the journey, we go back to this age and we're reliving this moment, processing the emotions that are coming up, bringing a new perspective, a new paradigm to everything. And... Um, this this man labeled the source of his addictions from this moment. He said that when the parents fell asleep after the fighting was done, he went outside, he went into the trash can, and he took one of the magazines out and hid it under his bed. And he believed that this was the source or the start of his pornography addiction, his sex addiction. So I'm guiding him. I also ingest Iboga during the ceremony. It puts us on the same vibration, the same wavelength. And um, when you're working with this medicine, it, it speaks to you. I, I can't explain it, but it, it speaks to you in a way that's just like your intuition does. And so something told me to ask him to go back to before he went into the trash can. And so I said, hey, once he was processing all the stuff, I said, I want you to go back to before you dug in the trash can. And I want you to start digging again. And this time I want you to ask the medicine, what is it that you were actually looking for? Right? And so this man goes back, he starts digging the trash can. He's narrating to me as I'm sitting with him and he starts bawling, just tears and tears and tears. And he says, love, I was looking for love. And what it was is this man grew up with a father who was absent, a mother who was disconnected. And as a child, he believed that by Having pornography, like his father's does, he would also have love in his life. He would have something of his dad. And so this addiction that's been feeding his whole life was never an addiction to pornography. It was an addiction of looking for the love of his own father. 
And for him, this was the big shift. This was the ticket that the medicine freed or liberated, liberated him from his, his traumas. All the talk therapy he's done, all the inner work, all the inner child stuff. It just took a simple act of going back and trying to, and really being able to discover what that child was digging in the trash for. And it was simply love. Mm. That's amazing. That's what a, a really cool story. Yeah. Profound. I mean, yeah, I, who would think that, you know, these incidents that happen so many years ago, just kind of, they lay roots in one's life and that, and actually, you know, that would have both a profound impact on his relationship with his, you know, his parents and, and with sex and, and all of these things. I actually had somebody recently tell me that, you know, in their view, there's, when you talk about people who have addictions of any kind, there's just this kind of common thread of seeking dopamine release and, mm-hmm. you know, that being a kind of a, a neurochemical that you can observe and people are just trying to chase the high of, of getting a fix of dopamine. I mean, is that sometimes the way that you see it as well when you're working with so many people who have addictions of different kinds? It was um, when I first came to this work with my chemistry background. Mm. Absolutely. There was a book I read called The Molecule of More, which, Mm. um, you know, really opened my eyes to exactly what dopamine, how much control it has. Um, But after working here and the countless experiences I've seen, um, I'm not saying that dopamine doesn't play a role in the biochemical pool, of course. Um, But what I will say is there is a deeper aspect to this 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 healing that's occurring it's these addictions are, are rooted deeply and what's interesting about that is iboga is a root mm. itself and so when people ask about it the way i describe it i said you ingest this root the roots spread throughout your entire system just like the roots do in the earth and they extract the deepest darkest traumas from you there's some type of intelligence inside of a seed that tells the root to grow downward and so that intelligence is inside of this plant Instead of growing downward into the earth, it goes down to the darkest spots of you and it extracts whatever it needs to and shows you what you need to see. It's a hunter of the truth, really. So is it is it the kind of thing where you, you lose your sense of self or do you have the awareness when you're, when you're on it? That's why it's so beautiful. It's you're fully aware. And that's what's so special about this medicine. It is like a lucid dream as to what you were speaking of earlier. Right. You're fully there. So when you're in a journey and I'm talking to you, I might crack a joke and you'll start laughing in the middle of it while this crazy stuff is happening. Right. So you can, you're so yeah. Yeah. You're there. You're present. You're grounded. You're in your body. And also you can be in space. I imagine that would take away a lot of the anxiety provoking elements that some drugs have on people where people are, um, you know, they get, they, they're not in control anymore. So they feel, uh, this kind of lack of that lack of control is can you know spur on let's say anxiety paranoia those types of feelings so do you get a lot of those feelings in, in these trips or, not, or less so uh, there there's there's a part of this journey called a brain detox um, and it can feel like your mind is racing with a million thoughts and you're just trying to catch them um, in my experience with this medicine that's about the closest you get to being lost and what we advise people is just to let it go. It's literally just scrubbing your brain. Um, and so, yeah, 
the one thing about this medicine that really is different is that you are so grounded and present in it. You're there. And for some people, losing control is sometimes a great remedy for them, right? For some people, they, they do hold on to control so tightly that medicines like ayahuasca who take that away is a beautiful thing to go. But for a lot of people who come to Iboga, you find that the groundedness is something they always look back at. Like, oh, I'm just very thankful that I was able to observe it like I was watching a movie of sorts. So I'm trying to understand if it's like intense or not in a way. Um, because- it, is, it, it, it is and it isn't. It's very intense because the emotions are real. The, the flashes are real. The visuals can be chaotic. And it's not intense because once you settle into the medicine, usually first ceremony, people are very nervous, nine times out of 10. Second ceremony, we do two at our retreat. The second ceremony, people are like, let's go because they understand exactly what's happening. So once you settle in, yeah, even myself, when I do a deep journey now, I, you know, I'll load myself up, lay down with the mask and, and like, I'm, I'm just so open to this experiment or experience. Yeah. That's very interesting. I had a, yeah, just a question as well about the, I think you talked about how some clinics, you know, they go for like an IV um, method of, of delivery, but you guys are working with, with the roots. And I'm just curious because plant medicine is obviously, um, you know, central to, to what we talk about on this podcast. There's only so much that just naturally occurs that you have control over. So say, for example, one root powder, root powder from one tree might differ in its potency or strength to another. I'm just curious, how do you guys manage the, I guess, the challenges that come with working from, you know, naturally occurring plant medicine? Yeah. Um, I, I would say two answers to that. The first and most important is reverence. Um, we have a deep reverence for this medicine. We understand the sacredness of it. And, um, and in part, part two of that is we get our medicines from um, directly from the indigenous people in Gabon. There's a company, a nonprofit called Blessings of the Forest, who've just done amazing work on sustainability of Iboga. And so um, everyone we get our medicine from is a village that we've actually been to ourselves and we know the source. Um, the trees are usually between 60 and 100 years old. Um, and the second part of that is that's what comes with the provider training. It's understanding how to connect to someone and really get how to gauge people and how to serve people this medicine. It's not just about putting a spoon in a jar and dumping in someone's mouth. There's a, a, a bridge that's formed between you and the person. And so we always take a less is more approach. We start off very slow with everybody. And what's interesting is one spoon for one person can be all they need. And for someone, it could be three or four spoons, maybe five. Um, and that's just part of the job. That's part of the training we all go through is, is really understanding how to really gauge where people are at. And um, I think, I think there's, there's no real way to say this. I, as my chemistry brain wishes, I can tell you, you know, five grams, six grams, seven grams, but I could give that to 10 people and you'd have 10 different, states of being mm. so is it always the kind of thing that requires a spiritual or a, a guide let's say or is it something that you can do do people take it recreationally do you know what i mean or is it always a, a medicine i have never heard of a single person taking it recreationally unless there's someone who's worked with iboga themselves for a very long time 
Right. Um, I've never, yeah, I, like I said, microdosing for certain, um, but in terms of, of, a, of a large dose, I couldn't even imagine that just because, I mean, at the end of the day, it's hard for you to walk, it's hard for you to move. And so you want someone there to take care of you. It's not something you can just go to like baseball and, and have a hit. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um, you know what they do use it in the, in the ceremonies in Gabon, they use it. Um, they stay up all night because it's a stimulant. So these people will be dancing, um, throughout the night for, for hours. I mean, some of the ceremonies will start at, you know, 7 PM and end at 7 PM the next day. They just oh. go and they'll be dancing until there's one collective heartbeat in the place. And that's, what's so beautiful is you can feel it. Everyone it's been dancing for so long. It's it's literally one vibration, one collective heartbeat. It's an amazing experience. Surely that would, is there any like hangover experience, anything like that? Because, you know, sometimes, sometimes even when, you know, you, I've had a night on, on, had a few beers, I'm not always certain if it's always the beers or if it's sometimes that I've just been up too late and not sleeping and, you know, like it's definitely the beers as well, for sure. But, um, but in terms of, you know, if you're up for, 24 hours or longer on, on top of being awake for the rest of the day originally that that sounds like quite a taxing experience uh, a draining experience in some ways physically yeah yes absolutely um not so much a hangover but definitely the next day can be very difficult it can be very emotional people can be very raw and vulnerable in that state yeah um, and so for us we have an aftercare protocol um, where, you know, we'll walk people to their rooms, we'll check on them every two hours, um, bring them food, fruit if they're available to eat. Um, and yeah, it's a very nurturing time. In Gabon, when you go through the initiation process, they call you a bonzi. And what that means is a baby. Um, and so if you really think about it, um, and you go back to the GDNF um, information I was sharing about how when we're children, this, this GDNF factor is so high in our brains. Well, at an iboga, after an iboga ceremony, you're essentially a, like a child in, in ways. You know, some people need help walking. They need to be taken care of. They're very raw. Um, it's, it's a very fragile time. So, yeah, there's definitely a hangover, but it's not so much a hangover of um, maybe feeling um, crappy. It's more of a hangover of just the openness that you're now facing. Right. So just a, like, like a sensitivity. That's absolutely yeah interesting have you done by the way troy a few trips over to gabon to um i guess yeah firsthand see yeah. where this uh, stuff comes from yeah absolutely i um my initiation was absolutely beautiful and i was awake for five days straight wow um, yeah sounds, sounds like me in Ibiza, actually but uh <laughs> I, can't, I can't say i was on an iboga <laughs> It's a deeply spiritual experience, Andrew. I yeah. would agree with that. <laughs> yeah, invite me next time. <laughs> <laughs> totally. We could, um, yeah, I, I feel like, yeah, there's different experiences that uh, that we might need to do together, Troy. But um, yeah, would love to get over to Costa Rica and, and see all the amazing work that you guys are, are doing there. It's, um, yeah, so where, whereabouts, I mean, I, I imagine there'll be a few people um, in our audience that'll be listening to this and just like, you know what, I actually would really like to, um, you know, to do a retreat like that. What, yeah. You guys, how frequently are you doing these types of um, experiences? Yeah, so the website is awakenyoursoul.co. Um, we have the full retreat schedule there. We do about 20 retreats a year. And then um, we also have six or seven ayahuasca retreats that are held here with a different set of providers that um, 
that we know very well. Um, and so, yeah, the, the retreat's very, very, very beautiful. Like going back to what Michael Pollan said, the set and setting, we, we've taken Iboga and we maintain the traditional UET parameters, you could call them. Um, we keep a lot of those intact and we've brought in alternative healing modalities, uh, sound healing, gong baths, um, inner child writing workshops, um, integration circles. Um, we have art therapy, yoga, breath work, meditation classes. I mean, it's, it's, it's a full environment. It's a seven, seven night, eight day retreat, um, fresh farm to, to table food, all organic. Um, I mean, it's, it's really, it really is a wellness experience with Iboga at the center of it. And we, we've, we've done a really good job to take this medicine from this, this place in Gabon, which is a very rough environment, to be quite honest with you. It's, you know, you go there, it's, it's, it's very difficult to see the people, especially someone of Gabonese lineage like myself, um, to see the people to the land where I was, my ancestors were taken from and to go back there and to see the struggles that are happening in, in that country is difficult. So we do our best to maintain a connection to the Bwiti, and we also understand that the Western world has certain comforts that um, that they like to have. And so it's a beautiful resort. It's um, retreat. It's 99-acre property. We have a one-acre-sized swimming pool that's filled with natural water. Um, it literally, the river flows through the pool and fills it up, and we clean it out every few days. Wow. Um, it's just an amazing, yeah, it's an amazing, it's a very amazing place. I'm very thankful to be a part of this center. I, I, I feel so blessed. And the one thing I want to add to is we understand the importance of integration. And so for us, we, um, we eat the cost of integration with, with that. So every time a guest comes, you get prep work, you get integration work with myself or the Australian gal I was speaking of. Um, and we've also partnered with Maya Health. They're a platform. I'm, I'm not sure if you guys have heard of them. They're a platform designed to assist um, people working with plant medicines that help do tracking of their journeys. Uh, very, very beautiful platform. Um, so, you know, we're, we're taking this, we take this as serious as we can in terms of healing. It's not just, you know, come to the jungle and take some medicine. It's, it's, it really is a nurturing space where you're, you're held from start to finish. I love the sound of all of that. It, it actually, yeah, to your point, I think it sounds a lot more disciplined. You guys are, you know, obviously, professionals in in the way that you know you go about it and and come with a, a wealth of experience in working with with these um very powerful substances and all the while the um against the backdrop of what sounds to me like paradise so i'm sure it's uh just a really enriching experience for for all that um that have been there and who knows you might see mitch and i there at some point um in not too distant future Hopefully. honestly you guys, please come. We'll take care of you. I promise you that. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be amazing, honestly. Yeah. We'd, we'd love that. Um, well, yeah, just again, Troy, I mean, as a starting point, I've, yeah, we, we have learned so much from this discussion. Um, and yeah, there's just so many crazy things to really reflect upon that have come out of it. But I mean, I just can't believe that there seems to be this situation in Australia where it's it can be prescribed by a doctor, but there's a huge fight that's sort of happening, or maybe not fight, but a movement or push towards getting psilocybin and MDMA and other things um, dropped down to Schedule 8. So I don't know, there, there could be a future for um, Ibogaine in Australia. But, um, but yeah. Well, so I, did, 
I dare say it's already here somewhere. I haven't really looked into it, to be honest, but mm. at that scheduling, it, it must be available. I, um, I agree entirely. Um, so anyway, we'll, um, we'll, we'll sleuth around and, and see what we can find here. But, um, but yeah, thanks so much, Troy. We really appreciate your time and, and your insights. Um, it's been a Absolutely. really, um, you know, fascinating discussion for us to, to learn a lot about. So um, yeah, until next time, we, you know, wish you all the best and, and take care of yourself. Yeah, I just I just want to one time um, thank you guys again for what you both do. There's obviously um, a shift happening in the world right now, and you know the the role that you two are playing, Andrew and Mitch. It's 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 absolutely critical. And so I just like truly, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for what you both do. It's this awareness. It's 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 it's, it's valuable. I mean, there's there's nothing more important than spreading knowledge, truth, um, the way you guys do. So thank you. No, mutual respect, Troy. And yeah, we love what you do. And, and, you know, the, yeah, the help that you provide so directly to to the people that, that have, you know, had the pleasure of, of working with you. Um, yeah, it's, it's, we, we respect it enormously. So thank you so much for your time. I absolutely appreciate you guys. No worries. Cheers, Troy. Till next time. Take care. Thanks. Cheers.